0: Good morning. It is Friday, April 9th. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Lance Glenn, back to host another episode as Trey is out. And if you can't get enough of me, I'll also be your host for Monday's episode as well. As you guys know, we are attempting to hit every Power 5 school and a few group of 5 schools this offseason here on the College Football Daily. We are almost halfway there, and in case you missed your favorite team, don't worry. We have them all on Spotify for you. Just go to Spotify, search for the playlist across the country with the College Football Daily, and find every single team preview episode we have done so far. I am very excited now to continue climbing to our goal. And for today's episode, I am happy to be joined by Stephen Bailey of Cuse Nation to talk Syracuse Orange football as they progress through spring practice. Stephen, thanks so much for joining me today. How are we doing?
1: Yeah, no problem. I appreciate you having me on. Hoop season just ended and spring football is here, so definitely uh, excited to be turning the page. So, Stephen, I wanted to start with
0: head coach Dino
1: Babers, and I know you and
0: I were were talking a little bit off-air about this. You know, he's been at Syracuse five seasons now, only one winning season in 2018. Of course, the win over Clemson back in 2017, but five and seven in 2019, one and ten last year. Do you believe Babers is on the hot seat entering 2021, or do you think, you know, barring a one- or two-win season this year, he'll be back for 2022?
1: Yeah, I, I think he'll be back. I think something... You know, I think something that indicates, you know, instability in the program would have to happen for him not to be back. You know, a one-win season in in a particular fashion. You know, you see players quit on the team or mass exodus of coaches. You know, something weird. You know, I, I think everyone in the administration of Syracuse realizes how hard it is. To win football-wise, there's geographic limitations, no recent history of winning, minimal recent history of winning. They went ten and three a few years ago, but you know they're working against basically the entire lifetime of every kid they recruit. Uh, you know they just they haven't been that good, so. You know, I I I, th- I don't think Dino's on the hot seat. You know, I think he is certainly motivated to do better. I think there were a lot of things that worked against them last year. He went and hired two new coordinators right before the coronavirus pandemic started. So they got three days of spring ball and shorts to install before, you know, fall camp. And and then the team was just coming back together then because Syracuse over the summer had its players in small pods. You know, there was really a lot of installation limitations and then a bunch of offensive line injuries during the preseason led Syracuse to start its fullback at left guard for most of the year so you know there was a lot working again and the the rescheduling last year hurt them significantly they opened down the road against Pittsburgh and North Carolina I believe instead of getting a couple of early cupcakes it just didn't happen so there's a lot of things that was working against them and you know I, I think they should be a little better this year but I think Dino would really need to have two pretty bad years for for that to realistically come into play and of course the financials are a factor as well he was given an extension after the 10-3 year that means the buyout went up and coming off of a pandemic are, are you going to pay to buy out your head coach and then pay for someone who you think can do a better job Syracuse I, I, I would be surprised if that happened next year
0: now, I know the Orange, they were bitten by the opt-out last season as well. And, and you mentioned it dealt with a ton of injuries. And look, obviously no team had a normal offseason. You just hit on that. And and even the regular season on a weekly basis was filled with so much uncertainty. But if you could pinpoint, I guess, one or two things that you think had the biggest impact in that one in 10 season last year, what would those two things be?
1: I know the pandemic affected everybody, but I mean, they switch defenses to the three-three-five. <laughs> you know, like you need to you need to get on the field and like actually go through the motions. And players need to know what certain spots and movements feel like, and how the spacing works up front. Like that's something that can't really be replaced. And I will say, Tony White, the defensive coordinator, I thought he did a very good job of of kind of piecemealing in what he could and then expanding it slowly during the season. It you know, it certainly wasn't perfect, but it never felt like the guys were overwhelmed. And I think that the defense was clearly the better unit than the offense last year. But Sterling Gilbert hired his offensive coordinator and didn't get a spring ball or a fall camp to really install anything. And, you know, I think he was brought in to kind of add just another perspective in, in the, the offensive brain trust, so to speak. And you know, Dino Babers is obviously a huge part of what they do offensively, but Sterling does does some things differently. And I don't know if he got a chance to really put in everything he wanted to. The second variable, and this is, you know, something that extends beyond last year's, is, is offensive line play. I mean, Syracuse had a bunch of injuries last year, but depth on the offensive line's been a problem throughout the Dino Babers era. Two years ago, it was a big problem as well. That 2018 season, everybody likes to remember Eric Dungey was the quarterback, and, and he's certainly a phenomenal player. Syracuse had all six of its regularly playing offensive linemen. They rotated three guards, healthy the whole year. I mean, they had a senior-laden offensive line healthy the whole year and two capable quarterbacks. You know, so that's, in a sense... I do view that kind of as an uh, anomaly might be a little strong, but a lot of things went right that don't normally go right. I mean, injury luck does not normally benefit, you know, a team that under recruits against its competition, plays in a really tough conference and runs a hurry up offense. So often plays more plays than your average team. You, you kind of got these variables working against you where you might even want extra depth and offensive line has just been a big problem in the last two years. And, you know, to compile that, then your quarterback depth becomes a problem and Syracuse ever since Dungy left, hasn't had a second quarterback behind Tommy DeVito. I'm sure we're going to get into Garrett Schrader a little bit, but that is one of the potential differences for, for the 2021 season. Joined by
0: Stephen Bailey of the 24-7 sports Syracuse site, Cuse Nation, on the College Football Daily Podcast, we will talk more about the Orange when we come back.
1: This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else?
0: It's Masters week, and that means CBS Sports HQ is your home for round-the-clock coverage from Augusta. That includes tournament picks, round-by-round matchups, highlights, leaderboard updates, and we even have our pal from the First Cut podcast, Kyle Porter on site. You know, he's providing up to the minute updates. So you'll know everything there is to know from Augusta. If you're wondering what CBS sports HQ is, it's our 24, seven, 365 days a year sports news network, how to get it. It's easy and it's free. Just go to cbsports.com the CBS sports mobile app, or fire up the CBS sports app on your connected TV and watch yourself become the most in the know sports fan on your group text. Steven, let's get into some of the different position groups now And I want to start with quarterback you mentioned before the break. Tommy DeVito enters his fifth season at Syracuse. He was the starter last year before he got injured and was ruled out for the year against Duke. Babers goes out this offseason, brings in some competition in Mississippi State, transfer Garrett Schrader. It's look, it's still very early. But do you think this move was more depth related to, you know, have someone behind DeVito, as you mentioned, just in case the offensive line doesn't hold up and he gets injured again? Or does Schrader actually have a shot to win the job this year?
1: Well, that's one of those lines as a, as, a, as a head coach that is has to be walked delicately. If you want to bring in another Power 5 transfer quarterback, they need to believe that they have a chance to compete for the job. And, you know, frankly, I, I think Garrett Trader will get enough reps to quote-unquote compete for the job. But I would be very surprised if he outperformed Tommy DeVito in practice. And, and the biggest reason is that you know, if you're grading throws and mechanics and decision making and, you know, above the shoulders kind of stuff. I mean, Tommy's been in the system for four years. He's got two years of starting experience. He's known for his arm strength and his accuracy. It's just hard for, I think that the things that Garrett does well, don't always show up in practice, at least when you're going ones versus ones or ones versus twos, right? I mean, if you put him I guess if you put him on the threes or, or on, on the twos and, and he's live, you know you can see the playmaking ability, the scrambling ability, throwing on the run. I mean, those are the things that jump out off his high school tape. Those are some things that Syracuse could really use with the offensive line issues they've had. So I think it's almost a certainty that as long as Garrett is healthy and, and the one-time transfer proposal is passed, he is going to play next year. Like Tommy DeVito is not going to make it through a whole season without needing at least part of a game off due to injury, just based on past precedent, it would be tremendous injury luck for that to happen. I just think Garrett's Garrett's time to shine is kind of when, you know, you don't have time for some of your slower developing plays and you, you need to make the defense account for the quarterback as another runner. So, you know, I think if he can show that in practice, maybe, you know, I'm not saying it's not impossible. I think he's going to get the reps to have a chance. I just think his value is going to be at its highest. When you get into a game situation and when everything you plan for the offensive line to be better for, you know, it doesn't pan out and you do have some issues, you can kind of put Garrett in to do that. But it really is fascinating. And I, I think the the dynamic between Tommy and Garrett's going to be very interesting to follow through preseason camp. Yeah, definitely something to
0: watch always when you bring in a a transfer quarterback, especially when you have a returning starter on your roster as well. Look, we talked off air and you also mentioned it to me earlier in the podcast, the offensive line may be more than any other group on that side of the ball has crippled the Orange the last few seasons. Mike Schmidt was hired in February as the new offensive line coach, replacing Mike Cavanaugh, who left for Arizona State. So I kind of have a two-part question for you here. What makes you, I guess, optimistic that the Orange could improve on the line? And at the same time, what makes you wary that the line might not make the jump it needs to in order to protect whoever the quarterback is against Ohio on September 4th?
1: Well, the sunny side is they get everybody back. And A quick counter to that is well, those are the guys who weren't particularly good (laughs) last year. Um, but some of them now, some of them were hurt. I think if you can take the best pieces of last year's line, and I would point to sophomore left tackle Matthew Bergeron, who I think will continue to get better as he gets more experience, and Richard Jr. right guard Dakota Davis, who missed the first seven or eight games of the year because of a preseason injury. If you take those two guys who I think the staff feels good about, and you can put them with at least a couple other guys who you really like. Then you then you got a chance to be better. One of those other guys is probably going to be Chris Bleich, who is a transfer guard from Florida. Two cycles ago, he had to sit out last year. Was not given immediate eligibility by the NCAA. So he, you know, he's coming off double hip surgery. So there are health concerns, but he has SEC playing experience. He has the adequate size. I think there's hope he will be the other guard with Dakota Davis. And I I think the plan is to go out and get a transfer tackle. Syracuse has pursued Texas's Willie Tyler pretty actively. You know, Willie's a, a big bodied tackle, did not play at all for the Longhorns over three years. He opted out last year because of COVID concerns. You know, can he come in and give you a boost? If not, and this is kind of to me, this is kind of the tipping point. Can you get that fourth lineman that you really like? If not, you're banking on guys who were here last year. And I wouldn't really characterize many of them as promising. You know, I mean, I think Aaron Service is coming back from his sixth year. He's played center and tackle. I, I think he's a great leader, very well respected in the locker room. You know he's had some issues. He gave up a lot of pressures last year. I think he was playing through a bit of an injury. You know, so in, in his defense, there's that. But is he going to make a huge jump? I don't know. The Redshirt sophomore center Carlos Vitarello, is he going to make a big jump? I don't know. You know, I mean, those are kind of two guys you look at. Redshirt junior guard Darius Tisdale, a former JUCO guy, another candidate to try and make a jump. But I, I just, you know, I don't, I don't know that. There's going to be enough development from those guys that it'll be enough for the group as a whole to be better and to be able to survive an injury or two. But if you can bring in one more good transfer, maybe two, Syracuse has two scholarship spots left. I wouldn't blame Dino for using them both on offensive linemen the way the last couple years have gone. Like if you can't get that influx of talent and have six or seven linemen you really trust, it can unravel really fast. And I think Syracuse has seen that the last two years. So, Steven, I want to switch over to the defensive side.
0: As we look at it, I think the biggest turnover comes in the secondary. What worries you most about the changes coming for that unit, and who do you look at to step up at defensive back?
1: You know, I would say what worries me most is just the playmaking and the experience that kind of goes. I mean, it's, you know, exactly what you'd kind of expect. You're you're losing three guys potentially to the NFL, all of them who could have come back, and... Even if you really like your young guys, and I think Syracuse does, they're going to make some mistakes, and they're not fully grown, you know, especially the guys who played last year. They didn't get the chance to redshirt because two of the the three guys leaving for the NFL opted out early in the season, in the first half of the season, you know, so that these guys who were freshmen last year and got that quote-unquote free year that the players like to say didn't get to spend it in the weight room. And I think there's something you get out of playing, certainly, especially when it's a new scheme like this. And I think that gave the coaches a chance to do some evaluation as well. But you don't have the physical bodies to come in and hit a ton. And the way Syracuse played last year, going three and out a ton, the defense was out there. They were frequently tired by the end of the game, and it was not their fault. (laughs) You know, I mean, these guys were were really laying it out there. So – I think there's going to be a small step back there. I I think the strength of the unit is clearly Garrett Williams, a redshirt freshman corner. He'll be a third-year corner. He'll stay a redshirt freshman. All ACC-type player, I mean – wise beyond his years other teams are not going to throw at garrett they're going to throw at the other four guys back there the question is who can really emerge jihad carter was their boundary safety last year as a true freshman prep school guys who are a year older than the rest of the guys in his class i think he's someone who could take a big step forward neil nunn redshirt freshman corner i think he could end up playing free safety which is effectively nickelback in the 335 coming off off offseason acl surgery don't think he's full going this throughout the spring you know in the fall he's someone who I've got my eye on and then they did go out and get a, a transfer commitment, from Jason Simmons Jr. from New Mexico State, who I think fits their rover position really well, playing the deep third. Really good instincts, good anticipation, pretty good ball skills. You know, so basically, how many of those guys can step up and really go out and make plays? And you know, obviously, you're going to make mistakes when you're young, but can you counter them with interceptions? It's a movement-based scheme. I, I think the front six is going to be pretty good. Syracuse's linebackers are. They're young guys who are already turning the corner, and the defensive line is is basically all fifth and sixth year guys who are, are just solid and reliable. So if, if the back end can can capitalize on some of the pressure and confusion that's created up front, you know I think that three three five can can really you know take a step maybe into the top half of the ACC this year. But if the secondary has issues and and that maybe affects how much pressure Tony White wants to bring, then you know, you get a little bit more hamstrung and you can see how the youth would really lead to, you know, some 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 issues on the field.
0: Stephen, last one before I let you go. Looking at the Syracuse schedule at Ohio on September 4th, my Rutgers Scarlet Knights head to the Carrier Dome on September 11th, Albany comes September 18th, Liberty September 24th, and then ACC play starts. What are reasonable expectations looking at the schedule for 2021? Look, I'm sure everyone believes that Syracuse isn't a one in 10 team, but is there belief that they can make the jump back into a bowl game or are four to maybe five wins looking more likely for the orange this season?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think probably I would guess the line is around five. I think injury luck and how quickly some of those younger guys develop are going to be a big part of, of whether, you know, they fall at four or five or they fall at six or seven. It really doesn't take much but just listing off that schedule, I mean, it's much easier than the one they had last year. And again, the, the one they had last year was changed by the pandemic. So, you know, how would this team do with last year's schedule? I think they have a much harder time of making a bowl game. But with this year's schedule, I, I think it's, you know, maybe not quite a coin flip, but they're, they're capable of doing it. It's not hard to envision a scenario in which they start you know, 3-1, and one or, or you know, best case would be 4-0, oh, not impossible. And then they pick up a couple more wins in the ACC. So I think there's reason to believe this team will win more games. I mean, it would be shocking if they only won one or two games, you know, just considering the opportunities on the front end of that schedule. But I still think six wins would mark a step in the right direction and I think would allow the coaches to, you know, keep bringing in adequate talent because once, you know, a lack of success starts affecting you on the recruiting trail, especially at a place like Syracuse, that's when it becomes really hard to envision long-term growth.
0: Well, look, as a biased Rutgers fan myself, having graduated from there, I certainly hope if they go three and one in that non-conference portion, I hope that one of those three <laughs> isn't the Scarlet Knights on September 11th. You can follow him on Twitter at Stephen underscore Bailey one. He covers Syracuse athletics and recruiting for 24-7 SportsCuse Nation. Stephen, thanks so much for coming on and giving me some time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime Lance. I appreciate you having me. Make sure to rate, review, and follow wherever you get your podcast. A new episode every single day. Thanks so much for the listening i'm lance glenn i hope everyone has a great weekend i'll be back on monday for the next edition of the college football daily the baseball season is in full swing which means you need to listen to fantasy baseball today part of the cbs sports podcast network